0: Invite you to pull out your uh, notes for today's message or turn your app on for Life Church uh, if you use that method through your iPad or your iPhone or however you might want to do it. Over the last number of weeks, I've been kind of trying to tie into the uh, television series on uh, on NBC on Sunday nights called AD: The Bible Continues, and. Um, Over these weeks, we've been talking about various themes that the show brings up. Today, as I watched last week's... Uh, series, I was just so struck by one thought that came to my mind as I watched what was happening, what they were portraying on screen. And the thing that struck my mind was was the whole idea of of persecution and persecution against God's people and God's church. That isn't something that just happens in far off lands. That is something that has always been around people of the Christian faith. And that certainly started in in the very beginning in the book of Acts, the people of God started coming in contact with... Persecution, uh, big time persecution against them. Uh, in Acts chapter three, we have moved out of chapter two, which talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We've uh, uh, we've moved over into Acts chapter three, and here's where you see the persecution starting to, to come uh, to pass. Uh, to get the storyline, you have to kind of go uh, to the, the first part of Acts three, and here what you find is Peter and John, they're on their way into the temple uh, to attend a prayer service, an afternoon prayer service. As they go into the gate of the temple, seated there or laying there uh, on the side of the road is a beggar. He's a lame man who has never been able to walk. He is brought to that gate every day of his life. And he is, uh, has been doing this for over 40 years, the Bible says. As, he, as Peter and John make their way into the temple for the prayer meeting, they, they make eye contact with the beggar. God has something up his sleeve that he's gonna do for this man. They make eye contact with him, and he with them, and he says to them, would you please give me some money? This is the only way he sustained himself. There were no social programs. He was sustained by the generosity of people. And so Peter looks at him and says... SIR, I DON'T HAVE ANY MONEY TO GIVE TO YOU. NOW, YOU CAN IMAGINE THAT HIS his COUNTENANCE JUST FELL WHEN HE HEARD THAT HE WASN'T GOING TO GET ANY MONEY. BUT WHAT PETER WENT ON TO SAY IS, WHAT I DO HAVE TO GIVE YOU IS FAR BETTER THAN MONEY. AND THEN HE REACHED OUT HIS HAND AND GRABBED THE BEGGAR'S HAND AND HE SAID, IN THE NAME OF JESUS CHRIST OF NAZARETH, RISE UP AND WALK. AND FAITH ENTERED INTO THE HEART OF THAT BEGGAR WHO HAD BEEN BOUND BY LAMENESS ALL OF HIS his life, from his mother's womb he had been bl- bound in lameness, and faith entered into his heart, and he sprung up for the first time in his life onto his legs and onto his feet, and so healed was he, so transformed was he, that the Bible says he began not only walking, but he also started leaping around and just giving great and awesome praise unto God at that moment. So much for reverent, sedate praise days. <laughs> If you've ever been told that the only praise that God receives is when you're quiet and what the world calls reverent, in other words, you're to yourself, you keep it to yourself, that's what the world wants us to do, is keep everything to ourselves. What God wants you to do is express your love to him, and that's what this lame man did. He began walking and leaping, oh, quiet down, quiet down. No, he started leaping and praising God in the enthusiasm of what God had done done for him. And I want to tell you something. If you've come to this church and you say, why is everybody clapping? Why are they raising their hands? Why are they so excited about their love for God? It's because we were all beggars too at one time. Maybe not the same kind of beggar, but we were all beggars away from God. And Jesus has touched our lives and we've been transformed. And because of it, we have great praise unto him. Well, as that beggar started praising God, of course, a crowd gathers around, a big crowd starts gathering around, And and Peter uses the opportunity, seizes it right there, and he starts preaching to the crowd that had gathered around about what had happened to this man, and they're intensely interested, and he starts sharing that Jesus Christ, who was crucified, is alive, and he is available to enter their lives and become their personal Messiah and their personal Savior. And the Bible says that over 5,000 people gave their hearts to Christ that day because of the testimony of what happened to that beggar and the sermon that that Peter preached. It was a marvelous, marvelous outpouring of God's grace and spirit upon the people that day. And everybody in Jerusalem was absolutely thrilled. Not, not everybody, because the Jewish leaders heard about it and they weren't happy about it one bit. Have you ever noticed religious people can be the biggest problem in the world? You gotta get away from the religious crowd if you wanna get into close contact with Jesus. These re- Jewish leaders, they go down. They have the audacity to go down and arrest Peter and John, and they haul them in in front of the Jewish high council. They're angry at Peter and John, NOT JUST THAT THE MAN WAS HEALED, BUT THEY'RE REALLY ANGRY AT THEM THAT THEY HEALED HIM IN THE NAME OF JESUS. THAT REALLY HACKED THEM OFF. And I'll take you to the end of chapter four now in the book of Acts, because we won't go through all the dialogue and the back and forth between Peter, John, and and the Jewish leaders, but the, the Jewish leaders end up telling Peter and John and all the rest of the apostles, don't you dare teach again in the name of Jesus, to which Peter then replied back to them in Acts four, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? WE CANNOT STOP TELLING ABOUT EVERYTHING THAT WE HAVE SEEN, EVERYTHING THAT WE HAVE HEARD. THEY MAY TELL YOU TO BE QUIET. THEY MAY TELL YOU TO KEEP IT TO YOURSELF, BUT, FOLKS, WHEN YOU'VE HAD A REAL TOUCH FROM GOD, YOU CAN'T KEEP IT TO YOURSELF. YOU'VE GOT TO SHARE WHAT GOD HAS DONE IN YOUR LIFE. BUT THIS, THEN, was just the beginning. It was the opening salvo, if you will, of persecution against Christ's followers in the early church, especially against the leadership of of the church. Persecution against those disciples, against those apostles would eventually end up taking the lives of all of them. That's the price they would pay. Persecution is no stranger to people of Christian faith. Persecution has always walked in the shadows, hovering around people who know Christ personally. Sometimes that persecution is open, it's blatant. We see that in the Middle East right now with ISIS and what they're doing, in beheading and killing followers of Christ. Very open, very blatant persecution but sometimes persecution is more subtle. It's there, you can feel it, you can sense it, but it's not as physical, it's not as overt. We live in a, in a culture now in America that is antagonistic towards Christians and people of Christian faith that I have ever seen in my lifetime. When I was a kid and I grew up in a, in a Christian family, When I was a kid, I heard about persecution, but persecution was always over there back then. Sometime in the past, somewhere over there. Because frankly... The America that I grew up in, though I'm certainly not claiming everybody was a born-again follower of Christ because they weren't, but there was still a, an appreciation for, if, if you will, there was a, a, a support for, a tolerance of Christians and Christian churches. Uh, they even saw us uh, to be places of great value within society. There was an appreciation and a support for Christian values and Christian people and our ideals, but things have changed since the end of World War II. In the last 60, 50, 40 years, we have seen a real transition of American culture and the attitudes of American culture towards people of Christian faith. Especially in the last 10 years have we seen this. And I suppose we shouldn't be too surprised by it. Jesus himself warned in John 15, they persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you too. And it's starting to happen all over. One of the reasons, and I wanna talk about American culture in particular, perhaps maybe the greatest reason for our culture's antagonism towards people of Christian faith today has to do with our stand on, on the issues, the moral issues of our day. Because of what we proclaim, because of what we say, that is purely the word of God, we have been rejected. Now in Peter's time, they weren't persecuted because of that. It was more back then about the, the Jewish leaders hatred of, of Jesus and, his, and their hatred against the followers of Christ and so forth, and because of that, they, they, uh, they really came down hard on the original disciples and, and followers of Christ in general. But in our culture today, it has to do with the moral guidelines of the Christian faith. America and American culture no longer wishes to be influenced by the guidelines of God's word. So that has led to a cultural rejection of the standards that God's word has given us. So much so that anyone who believes in or stands for or speaks out about Those guidelines or those standards is attacked as being simple-minded. You are considered simple-minded by the elite of American society, the very fact that you showed up here today. You're considered simple-minded. You're considered narrow-minded. You are considered hateful and bigoted. But really, when you stop and think about it, no matter why a society rejects Christ, no matter what the reasons, whether it's because there's a predominant false religion in a a nation and they reject Christians and all, all claims of Christ like we see so much in the Middle East, or or whether it's a society like ours, no matter what the reason why a society rejects Christ, that rejection has always had impact upon Christ's followers. It's just a matter of time. And it's just a matter of how it's gonna come out. So the question is, since since persecution is part of what we deal with as Christ's followers, How can we handle that persecution and still be overcomers? Well, I think we've got to look at how the believers in the early church handled it and maybe learn from them. I want to give you four thoughts very quickly today. Number one, they held tightly to the truth. When you are faced with persecution and opposition, you've got to hold on to truth, the truth of God's word. In fact, when Peter was arrested, by the, Jewish leader, by the Jewish leaders, they wanted to know from him what, has, uh, what, what brought about the healing of this man. In whose name, by what power did you do that? Now that's the wrong question to ask. If they wanted to keep the message of Christ subdued, for them to say, how did you do this? By whose name and authority did you pull this off? That just opens the door for Peter which he took advantage of, and this was his response, rulers and elders of our people, Acts 4, are we being questioned today because we have done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. Woo! I mean, insert knife turn, you know, just a little bit. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead, you know. So the truth was that the cripple wasn't healed by all the alms he had gotten, and he went to the doctor and he got cured. The the truth was that he wasn't healed by gaining a positive mental attitude. And all of a sudden, he's able to walk. No, the truth was he was healed by the power of Jesus Christ and people of the Spirit of God who walked by his, his life one day and said, we've got something better than money for you. We've got the power of God to interject into your life. And in so doing, that man jumped up to his feet and walked and leapt and praised God. And then he says, you crucified him. But God raised him from the dead, and now his followers are going around telling everybody that this Jesus who was dead is risen from the dead, and he's alive today, and he's working in the lives of people today, and and that miracles are still flowing through God's people because Jesus was dead, but he is alive today. Now, that is not something that these guys wanted to hear. BUT PETER DOESN'T STOP THERE. HE TAKES IT ONE STEP FURTHER. HE MAKES THINGS EVEN A LITTLE WORSE. HE SAYS IN VERSE NUMBER 12, NOW LISTEN, THERE IS SALVATION IN NO ONE ELSE. GOD HAS GIVEN NO OTHER NAME UNDER HEAVEN BY WHICH WE MUST BE SAVED. WOW. ALL YOUR RELIGION ISN'T GOING TO DO IT FOR YOU. IT'S JESUS. IT'S NOT BEING A MEMBER OF A CHURCH. IT'S JESUS. It's not how much money do you give, it's Jesus. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't good work your way into heaven, it's Jesus. It's not what do I do, it's what did he do, and my acceptance of that into my life. And that's what he told these Jewish leaders. You know, that statement right there sets the gospel apart from every other religion in the world. It's saying that there is only one way to get to God, Not, you know, we wanna choose our own preferred way. Well, I prefer this truth. You take the truth that you prefer. God says, there's only one truth. There's only one way to get to him. And it's not the one that we choose. It's the one that he chooses. And he has made it abundantly clear that he has chosen that the sacrifice, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only way to receive that salvation. Now the disciples stood strong in the face of persecution because they knew the truth and they wouldn't compromise on the truth. Listen, when you start going through a hard time, when you start going through opposition or persecution, the first thing the enemy's gonna do to try to get you to sell out is to get you to question whether this is all worth it, whether it's really the truth. So you're going through the persecution over here and the enemy's gonna say, do you re- really believe that he is worth this? Are you sure that your belief in him is worth what you're gonna go through? Is worth the worth the ridicule you're gonna take? Are you sure? You've got to know that that truth is solid in your heart. It makes a difference in your life. And you stand on that truth. You believe that truth. You know what God has said, and I will not compromise. As for me and my house, we will stand on the truth. Amen. And that's what you've got to decide to do. Secondly, they held tightly to the relationship with Jesus. Again, you gotta reject religion. It's your relationship with Jesus. If religion helps you gain your relationship with Jesus, then it's good. If if your religious duties uh, draw you closer to his heart, then they're good, but if they become a substitute for his heart in your life, then you're being deceived. Look at verse 13, when they saw the courage, it's talking about the Jewish leaders, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with who? Jesus. So what will keep you strong in the face of opposition is the power of the person of Jesus Christ and primarily it's that power lived out through his word. LOOK AT WHAT THAT VERSE STATES AGAIN. IT SAYS, THESE JEWISH LEADERS WERE ASTONISHED, AND THEY TOOK NOTE THAT THESE MEN HAD BEEN WITH JESUS. It is vital that you spend quality time in your life with Jesus, with God, being in his word, knowing his word. I tell you, you will be compromised if you don't know the word of God. You will be pulled down if you don't know the word of God in times of great adversity. Almost every Christian that I have counseled through the years who have grown weak in their faith in Jesus Christ first began growing weak in their time spent with God. When you don't spend time, when you allow the busyness of our lives, and listen, we've all got it, When you allow the busyness of your life to push God out of your life, you are setting yourself up for a huge fall. The Word of God is the thing that will keep you strong because the power of Jesus flows through that. Listen to what uh, the, the Word of God says about itself. It's full of living power, Hebrews four twelve. Whatever God says to us is full of of living power. I just love that concept. Full of living power. These are not just words you read when you read God's Word. It's full of life. It's full of living power. It flows into you. It touches all parts of your life. The NIV puts it this way. The Word of God is living, and it's active. It's never dormant. It's always working in us. The new living says the Word of God is alive and powerful. So that's saying that the life of God is flowing through his word and that's what keeps you strong in faith when you are under attack. The word of God gives you power to overcome. So let me just ask you today, when you go through really hard times in your life, not just necessarily persecution, but any kind of a trial, what is it that comes out of you? What is it that others see in you? If you're going through opposition or persecution, what would they see coming out of you? Here is the truth. Whatever you give yourself to, whatever you give your time to, whatever you give your energy to, that's what's gonna come out of you when you hit a hard time. That's what's gonna start showing. And it may be only you that sees it in your life. And you say, I'm so disappointed in how I reacted during that time. Is it perhaps a sign that you have not been with Jesus? These men were noted that they had been with Jesus. And I say, God, I want more than anything for the world around me. When I drive down the street, when I, when I go to work, when I, walk, when, I, uh, when I walk on the sidewalks and in the, out in the city, when I shop, when I go out there and interact with people, Lord, let them see Jesus in me. May they say, that guy, there's something different. He's been with God. He's been with God. Because here's the truth. Whatever you hang around is what's going to come out. So make sure you're hanging around Jesus. That's not to say you can't spend time watching TV. But if you give TV your greatest time, you won't have Jesus coming out. You'll be having, I don't know, whatever you're watching coming out if it's all about pleasure and you never take time to discipline yourself with God, never take time to be with him, people will not see that. Your family will not see that. Let's make sure we give Jesus enough time that he comes out in our lives, amen? Amen. Number three, these guys held tightly to the Holy Spirit. Verse eight says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, before he ever uttered a word, Defending the healing of the beggar, he was already filled with the Spirit. Before he even showed up and saw the beggar, he was already filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. And you see that throughout the book of Acts is that this is the people of God walking into their lives, full of the Holy Spirit, making a difference for God. It's not just the apostles, it's everybody else too, filled with the power of the Spirit. Followers of Christ, they're 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 so in touch with what God wants to do in their life. And that because of it, they, they do great works for God. I want to tell you today that you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fill your life. God wants to fill you with power that comes from his Spirit. Through his Spirit, he wants to empower you to become a new man, a new woman. I'm not talking about getting saved. Yeah, we get the Spirit when we are saved, and that's the most important thing. But after we're saved, God wants to empower us. He wants to anoint us with the Holy Spirit, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to change the world. As I mentioned, before Peter ever touched the beggar's life, he was already filled with the Holy Spirit. Before he began to minister, or even had an idea to minister to those 5,000 people who came to Christ, before he had the idea to do it, he was already filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit that spoke to him and said, reach out and touch the beggar. It was the Spirit that spoke to him and says, preach my word to these, these people gathered. God did a great work that day because he was touched by the Spirit. You and I are not clever enough or wise enough or powerful enough to overcome the enemy on our own. We are not powerful enough to be overcomers on our own. We need God's Spirit filling us. And so what I say to you is seek for the power of the Spirit. Stay close to, to the Spirit. Surrender to the Spirit. You don't have to be in church for God to touch your life in a powerful way. I have known people in churches we've pastored before who said that they pulled off the side of the freeway, so being touched by the Spirit as they were driving to work, they had to pull off the side and just Just within the moment of praise and worship unto God, the Holy Spirit enters that car that they're driving. Hallelujah. And they are so filled with God, they're transformed from that moment on. You don't have to have this happen at at church. It can happen at home. It can happen in all kinds of places where the Spirit of God just begins to touch and live within you. If you want to be strong in the face of persecution, you're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And number four, THEY HELD TIGHTLY TO THEIR OBEDIENCE TO GOD. THEY WERE OBEDIENT TO GOD. THEY DIDN'T lie, LET POP, pop CULTURE te- TELL THEM WHAT THE GUIDELINES OF THEIR LIFE WAS. YOU KNOW WHAT I MEAN? They, THEY LET GOD TELL THEM HOW TO LIVE THEIR LIVES. YOU GO BACK TO VERSES 19 AND 20, AFTER BEING WARNED BY THE JEWS NOT TO PREACH OR TEACH IN THE, in the NAME OF JESUS AGAIN, PETER SAYS, DO YOU THINK GOD WANTS US TO OBEY YOU RATHER THAN HIM? We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. Man, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit like that, you can't help but tell everybody what God has done in your life. Now, here's the deal. You cannot serve God and stay popular with today's culture. If you're out to be the most popular guy, the most popular gal, it won't happen if you're gonna serve God all the way. Serving God all the way is gonna cost you something. It may cost you something to be obedient to Jesus. You may not be as popular as you were, but you will be obedient anyway. It, it, It may cost you something to stand for truth because our culture doesn't like truth, but you stand anyway. IT MAY COST YOU SOMETHING TO BE NUMBERED AMONG CHRIST'S FOLLOWERS, BUT YOU BE NUMBERED ANYWAY, AND YOU STAND FOR GOD'S TRUTH, AND YOU DO IT WITH THE SPIRIT OF LOVE, BUT YOU DO IT WITH THE the POWER OF GOD'S SPIRIT AS WELL, AND IT'LL KEEP YOU STRONG AND EFFECTIVE IN A WORLD THAT'S DECAYING AROUND US. WOULD YOU STAND WITH ME THIS MORNING? Here at Life Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to LifeChurchUtah.com.